Hello, this is Tim Conley from the International Chamber of Commerce. Welcome to Trading Thoughts, where we discuss how business is shaping our world. Since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, there has been a spike in ransomware attacks targeting industries around the world. Businesses have lost millions and citizens have been stripped of their access to vital resources like energy, health services, and food. I spoke with Renee Summer, Director of Government and Industry Relations for Ericsson, and Tamea Sudo, ICC Knowledge Solutions Manager, about what steps businesses and policymakers can take to prevent future cyber attacks. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Tamea and Renee, thank you for joining ICC Trading Thoughts. Before we dive into today's discussion, could you briefly introduce yourselves? Renee, let's start with you. Yeah, thanks, Tim. So the ICC Commission on Digital Economy consists of three working groups, of which one working group is on cybersecurity that includes more than 45 members, which I am chairing. Outside of the ICC context, my day job is Director of Government and Industry Relations at Ericsson, focusing on global policy issues such as cybersecurity, 5G security, privacy, and cross-border data flows. Excellent. Um, thanks, Renee. Tamea, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners as well? Sure. Hi, Tim. Hello, everyone. Great to join you today from ICC's Digital Economy Policy Team. Um, I've been with the team for about five years now and managing ICC's policy and advocacy work on digital issues, um, including connectivity, data governance and cybersecurity, as, all, as well as our work on Internet governance. Now that we have all introduced ourselves, let's jump into the focus of today's conversation, and that's cybersecurity. Since the start of the year, cyber attacks have taken major industries hostage. Uh, in the United States, the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack disabled large sections of the American energy sector. JBS, the world's largest meat processor, paid $11 million to ransomware attackers at the start of June. Uh, the ransomware gain suspected in the JBS attack uh, is back in the headlines this week. Over the weekend, the attack on uh, Kisea caused significant damage in more than 1,000 companies with hackers requesting $70 million to restore lost data. Uh, for example, computer systems of 800 physical grocery stores of Sweden's co-op were shut down. Um, Renee, what has your general reaction been to this most recent wave of ransomware attacks? Thanks, Tim. Well, I would like to start with the perspective of ICC's purpose. And if we look at that, ICC is the world business organization with aim to enable business uh, for secure peace, prosperity and opportunity for all. For all. With this perspective in mind, I think the continued deteriorating uh, cybersecurity situation is of a great concern to ICC. While individual cyber attacks, as the one you mentioned, received attention in the media, from an ICC point of view, the big picture and the growing challenge for security peace of, and prosperity is of great concern. To give you one data point, according to the European Commission's Joint Research Center, uh, the annual cost of cyber grant for the global economy was estimated to the staggering 5.5 trillion uh, euros, which doubled compared to 2015. This number represents the largest 
uh, transfer of economic wealth in the history. Let me repeat that. It represents the largest transfer of economic wealth in history, which is mm. now greater than the global mm. drugs trade. And on top of that, of course, we mm. also see non-monetary cybersecurity costs on the rise as well, caused by decreased confidence and trust by end users. This means that concrete and timely action is necessary to change the tide of these deteriorating cybersecurity conditions. While governments on one hand have rightly increased domestic regulation to strengthen the security of civil ICT infrastructure to increase the resilience of critical infrastructure, business has been left exposed to an unacceptable and growing criminal and state-sponsored malicious cyber activity. Again, the example you mentioned is a good, good one. Progress in domestic and international law is necessary to better protect businesses and citizens from criminal and state cyber actors. Putting this into a future perspective, if we do not see an, an, a substantial progress in improved conditions uh, in, in for society and for, for business. Uh, this opportunity cost of 5.5 trillion I mentioned corresponds to Japan's nominal GDP to 2020 numbers. So this is 6% mm. of the world GDP. Mm. If we can't see any tangible improvement, uh, both in strengthening uh, the domestic and international laws and also enforcement thereof, the next five years, if we see another doubling, that would uh, correspond to 11 trillion uh, euros. And that would correspond to the combined nominal GDP of Japan, Germany and France being at risk. Tamea, what are your thoughts? Can we contribute uh, the rise of ransomware attacks to the pandemic? Or is this something that's been brewing for years? Well, in some aspects, yes, but cybersecurity threats are, are not a new issue. Even before the current crisis, the impact of cyber attacks was increasingly worrying. Uh, in 2019, it was estimated that the average cost of one data breach uh, was around 4 million US dollars. So certainly it's been developing with exponential speed in recent years, which is what we see also in the media uh, coverage these days um, as digitalization is speeding up. Um, as the COVID-19 pandemic spread across the globe, many organizations really started moving substantial parts of their operations online in order to ensure business continuity, protect workers, continue to serve customers. And in the wake of the crisis, there has been an upsurge in the use of online and digital tools that created and continue to create um, uh, new opportunities for malicious actors to take advantage of the disruptive disruptive effects of the crisis and, and target businesses, especially SMEs for cyber attacks. You know, and it is with every activity, once you have more players, the risk grows. When you put more cars on the road, there are bound to be more accidents. And with the boost it gave digitalization, COVID has certainly put more cars on the road, so to speak. So in some cases, the roads might have been ready for, um, might have not been ready for, for the sudden increase of traffic. Um, in some cases, the drivers were inexperienced, if we use this analogy. But as it is with cars, our response was not to block our roads or stop people from driving. We made sure that our cars and roads were safer, that our drivers received training, that our rules were updated. So this is what we need in our digital environment as well. We need technologies that incorporate security in their design. We need a population that is skilled, that knows the basic rules of cyber hygiene. And then we need to adapt our laws, regulations, and policy approaches to apply in the online world, just as they do in the offline world. Renee, as previously mentioned, you work for Ericsson, uh, one of the biggest telecommunications companies in the entire world. 
without going into all of the sensitive details, how are you and your company working to strengthen security of 5G and critical infrastructure? What steps are you taking to protect communications networks against attacks? So, so protecting the end users uh, of 5G networks, looking at this from a network perspective, is about securing the, the network in use. We call these deployed networks. And this is because these deployed networks are the ones that deliver the security experience of end users, the same way you experience, for example, network speed or network coverage. So security posture of a deployed networks then depends on four pillars. It's about operational security, and this is where the people's element comes to in and the operational procedures, how the networks are configured and hardened since there are many different suppliers delivering the equipment, of course, how you put these different products together uh, from a security point which is extremely relevant. Then you have the individual companies like Ericsson's in their products and development processes. And here, as Timia mentioned, security by design is something which is very essential to be implemented by all the suppliers. And then at the end, we also have standards in place which are used by all suppliers to develop the products. And here, of course, this is also a very important uh, element in the security consideration. I think what I would like to really stress here is that there is a need for of a holistic approach that needs to cater for all these four pillars uh, to protect the end users. There is no single silver bullet solution in the context of 5G networks or in other cybersecurity contexts. It's very seldom that one thing will fix it all, so to say. So, so at least in the in the context of I'm speaking of for Ericsson now, the protecting the the deployed networks is a, a shared multi-stakeholder uh, effort, including the operators, the vendors, and the integrators of these solutions. And 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 uh, of course the broader conditions that we are talking about here are absolutely also critical to to think of, which create this broader environment and the challenge we are speaking of today. Um, how much of these cybersecurity challenges uh, comes down to just educating employees and citizens about the importance of incorporating cybersecurity practices into their daily lives? I mean, for instance, should companies focus on ensuring that their employees are using things like two-factor uh, authentication uh, when logging into their computers? Uh, Tamea, what are your thoughts? Yeah, of course they should. We, we all should make sure to keep up with our defenses, the, including things like, as you said, two-factor authentication, strong passwords in general, or updated software, knowing what a phishing email looks like, taking extra care when connecting from unsecure or public networks. But what I must underline here is that we cannot fall into the trap thinking that any of this will give us 100% protection. Right? Companies must also be prepared on what to do when the breach happens, and sadly it's not a question of if, but of when, um, on whom to announce, and, and how to respond. Um, furthermore, as it is with any type of threat, defense is only one part of the equation, and it is very costly. This is something I learned from Renee, actually, and I keep repeating it ever since. Um, out of 10,000 attacks, the defender needs to be right 10,000 times, and the attacker only needs to be um, right once to be successful. And the payout for a successful attack is very big. You've mentioned the uh, our evil attack and, and how much money that costs and how much money is in, at play there. Um, so the incentives are there for the attacker. And, and to successfully decrease these threats, we need to we need to look at the other part of the equation as well, um, and that is deterring the malicious actor from engaging in these activities in the first place. 
And this is only possible when businesses and governments work together, both at home and on the international arena. Renee, over to you. Is raising awareness among employees the most efficient way uh, in defending against these attacks? Well, this is a, a typically yes and a no question and answer. I mean, for sure, of course, prudent cybersecurity program, programs must include both people, processes and technologies. So the people dimension is, is very important. And especially since a vast number in quantitative terms of cyber attacks are really low tech like uh, phishing. So, so there, here, of course, people dimension is very important. But we also need to understand the challenge in the broadest perspective that we talk about here today. And here, of course, the people dimension mention is only unnecessary but not a sufficient measure to address the challenges we are talking about today. ICC has recently uh, published a policy primer highlighting key issues and challenges that business and society face in strengthening internet security and responding to cybersecurity threats. Tameo, you were actually one of the main architects behind this primer. Uh, we've already covered some of the challenges facing businesses what steps are policymakers, business leaders, and other stakeholders taking to respond to these attacks? Look, there are, um, the policy primer really is there to highlight some of the main issues, the challenges um, that around cybersecurity that we've all discussed. Um, and the paper really are, aims to provide a starting point for developing further in-depth policy work and recommendations by ICC on the subject. Um, on one hand, we are we are presenting. Um, a list of issues, um, and then on the other hand, we we outline the key areas where ICCM members will provide further consideration and practical tools um, to to address by governments. We are looking into topics like how to create a shared understanding of cyber threats, actors and responses, so that both governments and businesses talk with the same language um, around these issues. How we can create a common and effective interpretation of norms and laws um, uh, around cybersecurity. And also how we can all work together to enhance capacity building. Uh, the group is actually developing its work under Renee's leadership, so I'm not the sole uh, architect behind it. And we have, as Renee said, more than more than 50 companies involved. Um, so I'll pass over to him um, as well for his thoughts and how how we how he sees the next steps for the group. Thanks, thanks, Timia. And I think one of my drivers has been really to to broaden the understanding of the cyber issues uh, and and focus more on the non-tech stakeholders in, in the discussion here to really also highlight the impact of cyber on businesses on this on the civil society and some of my peers and colleagues don't like me to mention this but um, I've been kind of jokingly saying that, that the cybersecurity discussion has been very much a, a discussion about toys for boys. And of course, technology will always be an, an element in, in this and, and there will be technical measures that need to be taken. But to broaden the cybersecurity discussion, to talk to these issues about these issues to the ministries of ministers of economy or innovation and for them to understand that it is no longer an option to just continue as it is today. I think this is one of the key challenges and where I hope my work and the members here can make a decisive difference to, to try to change the time. One of the most challenging aspects of these attacks uh, seems to be their uh, transboundary nature. Uh, in the case of the recent uh, our evil attacks, the perpetrators were linked to Russia, the main target was in the US, and the victims spanned across more than a dozen countries. Tamea, how can the international community respond to this? 
in my perspective, a, a shared problem can only be effectively addressed through a combination of efforts and, and a meaningful cooperation between businesses and governments, as well as government and government. So while business must be proactive in securing their own assets and, and, and operations and taking steps to protect users and clients, as Rene said before, um, there should also be able, businesses should also be able to count on the support of governments to ensure that the necessary laws are in place and implemented to guarantee the certain cybersecurity events are illegal. Um, with this in mind, we, we urge governments to implement and adhere to the norms that they've previously agreed to in UN discussions, um, as well as to develop mechanisms to effectively implement these norms. While many agree that laws offline should also apply online, currently there are major differences among states on the interpretation, applicability and implementation of international law. Um, without common understanding on how international law in its entirety is applied in cyberspace, there is little hope for defining and enforcing accountability uh, for responsible state behavior in cyberspace. Um, and as a consequence, improving the trust landscape for all the stakeholders is impaired. So as a first step, um, I would say all governments should start by complying with um, established international norms and uh, or as needed to increase clarity, develop, recognize global norms and practices in collaboration with all the relevant stakeholders. And business is here to assist if needed. I think that's a, a good point uh, where we should end our conversation today on that, that hopeful note, Tamea. Uh, Tamea and Renee, thank you both for taking time out of your schedules to join Trading Thoughts. I'm sure our listeners will find this conversation both fascinating and very useful in their, in their daily lives. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Trading Thoughts. We would like to thank our guests, Tamea Sudo and Renee Sommer for participating in today's episode. For more information on the International Chamber of Commerce's response to COVID-19, please visit our website at iccwbo.org. That's iccwbo.org. See you next time.